My name is Jared Case. Uh, my title here is the Head of Collection Information Research and Access in the Moving Image Department at the George Eastman Museum. Great. So how long have you been working here at the museum? I have been at the museum almost 18 years as an intern, student, and then employee. It's a long time. So your first position here was an intern? Yes. And it started from the beginning? Yes. Yeah. Where did you intern? Uh, down in the motion picture department, as it was called back then. So I was working with various staff members on projects that they had over the summer, and then I continued it throughout the year. So whether it was um, collection management, working with uh, films, or in the stills, posters, and paper collection, where we were moving items and trying to consolidate them, it was uh, a little bit of everything, whatever they needed to do at that time. Wow. So have you always been interested in film and working at a museum? I've always been interested in film uh, from a young age, and I, I struggled to find out exactly where I fit within that context. I did a little bit of production. I did some writing, both criticism and um, screenplays. I went to college for journalism and for film studies with the idea that I would be uh, another Roger Ebert or uh, a critic of some sort. But it was actually, I was working overnights at a Borders bookstore in town, and one of the students of the that current Selznick class uh, was working, and our shifts overlapped. And he started talking about what he was doing, and I perked my ears up, and I started asking him questions, and suddenly everything sort of fell into place. And that's when I uh, applied to the school, I became an intern, and I've been here ever since. That's so neat. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do on an average day here at the museum? An average day will consist of me handling a lot of email requests. So people uh, want to access the objects that are in our collection, whether it's for shows here at the Dryden Theater. I work with the curator of film exhibitions, or if there are loans, so we loan the, the films out to other qualified venues, uh, or if there are researchers that want to come in and look at the material. Uh, we handle all those requests on in our team, as well as the collection management of the stills, posters, and paper collection. We have special projects that come up, whether it's a grant to digitize thousands of pages of the Technicolor collection, or if we are creating finding aids for... Uh, some of the paper collections that are within our purview. Uh, these are projects that come up and I need to manage those as well. So anything that has to do with where the films are, what information we need to know about them, and then how they're used internally or externally, it all goes through me. So what's one of your favorite aspects of this position? I think still, I mean, this is still the, the little kid uh, inside of me, I guess, is, is finding those new things that I didn't know about. Uh, whether it's um, an 1890s Edison or Lumiere that I hadn't seen before, or if it's uh, a lesser-known film noir from the 40s that I, I get to experience. Uh, I think it's still the, the discovery of things. You, you can never know everything. Nobody knows everything. What are the misconceptions that people have when you tell them what you do here? Or what's oh. something maybe people don't understand about your role? Well, if you talk to my parents, they just think that I watch movies all day. <laughs> uh, for a living and just get paid to watch movies. In terms of the misconception of what I do, I think it's that, <laughs> I think the fact that we don't know everything, uh, that we don't have uh, complete control over everything in our collection, that there's still more to find out. Um, there's still unidentified pieces of film in our collection. We work every year 
try to identify those what those are and then put them in context of film history and decide whether that's something that we might be able to get funding for to do preservation and uh, get out into the world or if it's putting new pieces together, making connections between the items in our collection that people might not have seen before. And I think a lot of that happens with the uh, film program that we have, the series that we run, by making connections, not just the easy connections. These are all the films directed by William Wyler, but films that you might not have had together otherwise, but you find a common theme, you put them together, and it's much like a photographic exhibition. You see something next to something else and you make the connections yourself. Thinking about that, one of the interesting aspects of the museum is that we can project nitrate and Mm -hmm. we store nitrate. So can you tell me a little bit about the Nitrate Picture Show and how that all got started? We've had nitrate in our collection since the beginning, since the 1940s when we opened. In 1952, we opened storage so that we could keep this film safe for generations to come. Uh, In 1951, we built our theater, the Dryden Theater, which has always had the ability to project nitrate because that's basically what it was. All the film made up until 1951 was, all the 35, was on nitrate stock. So if you wanted to show something from our collection, it had to be able to accommodate nitrate projection. Over the six decades plus uh, that the theater has been open, we've maintained that. And we are one of the few, just a handful of Uh, venues within the United States that has maintained that or has gone back to make it possible in order to show nitrate films. So we've periodically shown nitrate films in our regular film program, but we've never until the Nitrate Picture Show invited people from around the world to come and see a weekend dedicated to nitrate, celebrating not just the exhibition, the experience of that original prints, going to see the Mona Lisa as opposed to looking at a picture of the Mona Lisa or a copy of the Mona Lisa. We, we preserve that exhibition experience, but we also dedicate time to the conservation. So talking about the film as an object, talking about how it's lasted for 70, 80, 100 years. The, the earliest film that we've shown in the festival was from 1913. It was 104 years old when we showed it. And if you keep it in good condition, these artifacts are still vital. They still have life. They can still be seen as they were intended to be seen and not just as the master material saved somewhere else. And it's something that is a rare experience uh, because there, there aren't that many places around that can still do it. We're going into the fourth Nitrate Picture Show this right. year, which is very exciting. One of the things that I think is both fascinating for people and sometimes a little frustrating, especially for press, is that mm-hmm. you don't announce any of the films that are being screened at the festival. Why did you make that decision? Um, For a couple of reasons. Um, The main reason is that uh, we want to talk about the nitrate. We want to talk about this experience. The titles become less important when you understand that this can only happen in very specific places around the world. It's more like what the original experience was of going to the movies. When people went to the movies in the 30s and 40s, they were just going to the movies because it's the movies. They didn't necessarily know what they were going to see before they went to the movies. It was a big program of shorts, cartoons, newsreels. They just wanted to see whatever was on the program. And this replicates that in that nobody knows what's going to happen, what's going to go on screen until it, until it happens. What's your advice for somebody who would be interested in doing what you do? Uh, wow. 
um, doing what I do. <laughs> someone um, wants to steal your job. Someone, How would they go about that? Experience, I think. Uh, whatever you can do. Uh, handling film. Um, go to your local historical society and see if they have a film collection. Libraries have film collections. Get in touch with people that work with film and just get some experience under your belt. Understand the physicality of the film, the limitations that it has, uh, how it needs to be cared for. Uh, there are some educational programs that you can go to to get instruction in this. The Selznick School, which has been running at the George Eastman Museum for 22 years now, is, is probably the, the gold standard for that. It's uh, a 10-month program, intensive, a certificate program, uh, generally postgraduate, uh, where you come and you spend a year here working side by side with the staff of the department. Uh, it's sort of like a teaching hospital you see on TV. It's a teaching museum. You do the things that you're learning how to do, and there there's a practical aspect to it. Not sitting on your butt. <laughs> Doing something as much as you can within the, the scope of where you live and, and uh, what's available to you, but reading and doing. Great advice. So now we have some quick fire questions uh-huh. that you have to answer Without fast thinking. and not think. <laughs> All right. Favorite object at the moment? <laughs> Starting with the Fa- hardest. Favorite object in the museum? The Dryden Theater? Is that a... <laughs> we'll count that. Okay. <laughs> we'll count that. All right. Weirdest thing you've ever seen? Weirdest thing I've ever seen? Um, well, there's a few. Um, we do have uh, some pornographic films in the collection. Um, silent porn, which you wouldn't think would be a thing. Like, I, I guess the impression is that that's a new thing. Uh, but no, it's, it's been around pretty much since it, there, there were pornographic photographs being taken. It moved into the, the film realm, so there's pornographic film. There's, there's also weird formats that you see. There's a, a 22 millimeter film which is an Edison home kinetoscope, and it's got three rows of images within those 22 millimeters. Very, very small images, but that was like your home thing. You would crank it, and it would go down one way, up the other way, and back down the third way. It would give you a short film in the house. Interesting. If we had a talent show, what would you do? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd sing. I'd tell jokes. I'd, I don't know. Tap dance? Tap dance. That would be fun. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to eat in the cafe? Oh, they make special things sometimes. Uh, the black bean burgers are really, really good. Sometimes Christina makes uh, some black bean quesadillas. I guess black beans is what I want <laughs> to eat. Anything with black beans. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite Rochester hotspot? Restaurant, coffee shop. Favorite Rochester hotspot? God, I mean, I could really show my blue-collar roots and say Nick Tahoe's, but... I don't know if that's, uh, I have children, so maybe it might be Frontier Field. You know, you go see a baseball game, uh, sit in the sun for three hours and uh, get some not great food and uh, enjoy the day. So speaking of Tahoe's, how do you feel about garbage plates? Uh, They're a must. Yeah. Good answer. That was (laughs) the right answer. How do you cope with Rochester winters? Uh, Rochester winter. The, the the thing about Rochester winters is that the snow gets all the press. You know, oh my God, look at the piles of snow. It's so impressive. But the thing that you need to look out for is the wind and the cold. Those are the things that really prevent people from going outside. So, a good leather jacket, good boots, good hat. Make sure that the uh, wind doesn't get to you. All right. 
If you could ask George Eastman one question, what would it be? What would you ask? Uh, you're worth how much? <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting question. You'd yeah. have to convert it for modern right, yeah. times. But well, yeah. if I'm asking him a question, I may be alive in modern in the older times, so it would ah. make sense to me. Like, try to figure out the logistics of how I would actually ask him a question. Great. Well, thank you so much for answering all our questions. Yeah, no problem. Is there anything else you want to share? Uh, come to the Nitrate Picture Show. Come to the Nitrate Picture Show. Um, just so you have, I guess, text it, but you know all about this. But uh, the first, this is the first year that we're actually going to have a Nitrate screening before the festival starts. So on Thursday, the 3rd of May this year in 2018, we are announcing one title, and that is going to be on Thursday night at 7.30. It's going to be Hamlet from 1948. Best Picture winner, which perfectly coincides with our series that we're running on the 90th anniversary of the Academy Awards. It was the first independent production to win Best Picture. Uh, People in Hollywood were very upset. They threatened to... uh, boycott the Academy Awards in the future because the Academy was honoring this this little film from England as opposed to celebrating Hollywood Studios, which is what they thought it was supposed to be. Um, but we have pre-screened it. Uh, it looks just gorgeous. Uh, beautiful black, uh, deep blacks, uh, sharp contrast. The, the jewels on the screen just like sparkle off the screen. And um, it's a print from the Library of Congress, which we're very happy to uh, work with. They're very happy to work with us as well. They don't have a theater that can show nitrate film. So this is the one way they get to see their own prints on the screen is to send them up here as part of the nitrate picture show. So they've been very generous with their time and and with their artifacts. And it's going to be a really great event. And uh, two and a half hours long, a good event movie for people to come. And if they're getting their first taste of nitrate, they'll hook them from the beginning. If uh, they're going, if they've experienced nitrate before, this is one of those prints that you can point to and say, yes, this is why there's a difference. This is why you come to see nitrate film. Great. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. All right. I think we're all set. Cool. Now I need the tea.